for Yellowstone National Park and the Acoustic Atlas at Montana State University. This is telemetry. It's a cold October morning on Yellowstone Lake. Heavy frost covers the dock and the last few boats in the marina, while fresh snow blankets the Absorca Mountains in the distance. Yellowstone National Park Fisheries Supervisor Todd Cool starts up a cold aluminum boat and scrapes frost off the windshield. Cold? Yeah. <laughs> we'll let it warm up a little bit, huh? We're headed out to join fisheries crews working on the lake. Along the way, Todd is thinking about the history of the native Yellowstone cutthroat trout. Really, the park, and especially Yellowstone Lake, uh, lies right at the core of the distribution, the range-wide distribution of the Yellowstone cutthroat trout subspecies. Yellowstone Lake is huge, roughly twice the area of Washington, D.C. It is the largest high-altitude lake in North America, and it is thought to have held the single biggest population of Yellowstone cutthroat trout in the world. Estimates were in the range of about 4 million or so catchable cutthroat trout in Yellowstone Lake. I mean, that's a lot of cutthroat in a, in a system. This was back in the early 1990s. And in those days, people used to say that there were so many fish you could walk on their backs across the Yellowstone River when they spawned. Tourists and anglers gathered by the thousands just to see the fish moving up spawning streams. One year, over 300,000 people visited Lahardy Rapids and Fishing Bridge to watch the brightly colored cutthroat trout. Fishing Bridge got its name because there used to be so many people fishing from it. When I worked there in 1969, you had to roll your windows up as you drove across there to keep from getting a lure in your ear. That's Bob Gresswell, research scientist with the U.S. Geological Survey in Bozeman, Montana. Bob has studied Yellowstone cutthroat trout in the park for over 40 years. Well, there would be thousands of cutthroat trout at the mouth of Yellowstone Lake that could be observed uh, during the peak of the migration. Lots of fish everywhere. But then, in just one decade, everything changed. By 2005, cutthroat had practically disappeared from Yellowstone Lake. Biologists estimated that the Yellowstone cutthroat trout population plummeted from over 3 million fish to less than 300,000. Some big new factor had to be causing the decline. Again, Todd Cool. I mean, for probably 10 to 15 years, we really saw very little recruitment of small cutthroat trout. Why? Because they were getting eaten by the lake trout. That's why. And here was this big problem. Lake trout had invaded Yellowstone Lake. A native of the Great Lakes in Canada, lake trout had been introduced to some large bodies of water in the western U.S. as a sport fish early in the last century. But not Yellowstone Lake. Yellowstone Lake was a high mountain stronghold of the cutthroat until... The first lake trout was first verified in 1994. We know some were probably introduced in, in the mid to late 1980s and early 1990s. It was theorized that anglers had illegally dumped the lake trout into the lake, but the theory couldn't be verified. No matter how they got there, Cool says that the invasive lake trout were uniquely suited to have a huge impact on the native cutthroat. Lake trout do great harm to cutthroat trout. Lake trout are predatory fish um, first and foremost, uh, essentially just big predatory fish-eating machines. Uh, they grow large, live 30, 40 or more years, grow 30, 40 or more pounds. They are uh, highly prolific in the numbers of eggs that they can produce. And so they've got a lot of built-in mechanisms uh, give them, that give them sort of an advantage in Yellowstone Lake over and above the native cutthroat trout. And the problem didn't stop with the drop in cutthroat. Over 40 species in the park depended on the native Yellowstone cutthroat for food. 
and they suddenly had far fewer cutthroat to eat. Before the lake trout showed up, enough bears fed on cutthroat in the streams around the lake that the park enforced bear closures to protect bears and visitors. But by 2005, very few bears were even seen in the closure areas. In the early 1990s, over 100 osprey nested around the lake. By 2000, there were roughly six. And this highlights one of the biggest problems with invasive species. In any ecosystem, an invasive species can quickly upset the natural balance and affect many other species. As the cutthroat declined, the lake trout population exploded. And the new lake trout, they were just no replacement for the cutthroat. Behaving quite differently, they preferred deep water. They also didn't leave the lake to reproduce in the tributary streams, all of which made them inaccessible as a food source. It was an ecosystem at risk. Todd Cool drives the workboat out of the Bridge Bay Marina headed towards the southeast arm of the lake, over 15 miles away. So we're lucky that most of the boats are in the same general region of the lake today, so hopefully we won't have to travel too far and wide to see gill netting uh, boats operating today out there. And then... The Park Service started controlling the lake trout population soon after they were found in 1994. Taking a page from commercial fishermen, fishery staff deployed gill netting boats to catch the invasive fish, an effort that still continues today. Currently, the park has somewhere between 30 and 40 miles of nets set in the lake to catch lake trout every day during the fishing season. Buoys mark the locations the nets are set, and then workboats haul the nets full of lake trout up. As the net comes in, the crews pick the fish from the net. They note their size, weight, and sex, and then they slit them open and dump them back in the lake. And here is the next big challenge with invasive species. Once installed, it often takes a ton of work to control them. They can also be nearly impossible to eradicate. In 2016, more than 350,000 lake trout were caught in the gillnets, the highest catch yet in a single year. And this is the main effort to save the cutthroat, the effort to catch the invading lake trout until their population crashes. But because of the massive amount of work that effort takes, biologists are also looking at new ways to knock down the lake trout population. In the fall, lake trout group up in large numbers, sometimes thousands of fish, to lay their eggs at specific locations, making both the lake trout and their eggs vulnerable. To find these sites, scientists have implanted radio telemetry tags in some lake trout. And by tracking the fish, they've identified over a dozen lake trout spawning areas in Yellowstone Lake. And then we're doing research on methods to kill the lake trout eggs on these spawning sites to stop the lake trout at the start. One experimental technique involved shocking the eggs with electricity. Another attempted sucking the eggs up with a small suction mining dredge. But by far, the most promising new method is surprisingly simple. Fisheries technician Mike Simeontowski stands on the deck of a gill netting boat with a large lake trout in his hands. Got all the lake trout that we just caught in the last couple gangs of net. So right now we're over one of our dumping sites and we're taking the lake trout and putting them through this fish grinder here so that way we know that all the pieces of the fish are sinking all the way down to the bottom. Grinding is used over some sites while on others whole dead lake trout are being dumped. 
Laboratory tests showed that the decomposing fish carcasses kill the eggs by eating all the oxygen in the water. Oxygen that the eggs need to survive. Again, Todd Cool. And so we're moving forward pretty quickly with that method because it's so simple, because we're not taking anything foreign from the lake and bringing it in, like some kind of a chemical or something like that. We're just simply taking the dead fish that we're catching and putting them strategically on spawning areas. And these big efforts to keep the ecosystem healthy, they seem to be paying off. Fewer small young lake trout and fewer big old lake trout are being caught in the nets. And so that's telling us, even though our catches are still high each year, that's a strong signal that our suppression program is collapsing this population. And as a result, the cutthroat are making a comeback. For every lake trout we kill each summer, um, we're probably saving 40 to 50 or more cutthroat trout just in every given year. More cutthroat of various sizes are being found in annual population monitoring. Anglers are catching more cutthroat. Visitors are returning to watch the cutthroat spawn in the late spring. Nesting osprey numbers are growing around Yellowstone Lake. And finally, bears are coming back to the spawning streams. Cool has even seen this firsthand. I was on that spawning stream trying to collect a water sample in June with some of my crew, and that grizzly bear showed up. That was his stream, and um, those were his fish. And then watching him, you know, get after the cutthroat trout and bring them up on the bank and, and chow them down, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing to see. And then, you know, on top of that, the, the hundreds of people that were gathered to watch that as well. And that, and that, that occurred for well over a month. All encouraging signs. For the Park Service, whose mission is to preserve our natural resources unimpaired for future generations, the effort to repair the damage done by invasive lake trout is worth it. Yellowstone is one of the few remaining relatively intact ecosystems left in North America. And restoring the Yellowstone cutthroat? It helps it stay that way. For Yellowstone National Park, I'm Scott Christie. This podcast is supported in part by Yellowstone Forever and the Eyes on Yellowstone program. Eyes on Yellowstone is made possible by Canon USA. This program represents the largest corporate donation for wildlife conservation in the park. This is Telemetry. Thanks for listening.